What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up and coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. If that sits well with you, sit back, grab a beverage, relax, and let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. I'm your host, DC. And, of course, I got my co-host here with me, Locke. Hey, what's up, y'all? And we got the special guest, TJ, returning for the 100th time. Glad to be back again, guys. Okay, so for this episode, we're going to go over a topic that we, you know, we touched on before, there, but, you know... uh Topic is coming back around. We're going to talk about boxing versus MMA, kind of the crossover. Uh, and in particular, this was a, a subject that in a little group that we have, uh, TJ brought up that he said he really wanted to talk about on the podcast. I don't think he was on any of the other ones where we talked about this. And of course, a lot of things has ha- has happened since then. So the first thing I want to do is I want to shoot it over to TJ to find out exactly why, you know, right now, why he wanted to kind of dive into this topic tj yeah man i'm uh, one thank you for allowing me to have this sort of lead to charge on this one but one of my really good friends comes from a boxing family and he's one of those hardcore boxing is the best sport the best combat sport in the world type folks and then me you know being a hardcore mma fan anytime there's a mma versus boxing conversation or mass you know fighter sparring or whatever he it, it's sort of one of the things where in his mind he it's proof that boxing is superior to MMA. Whereas I'm always like, yeah, you're taking old retired guys and put them in the sport with young dudes, whether they're amateur or high level. And a lot of them times, you know, it's fixed fights or whatnot. And and I'm like, that doesn't really tell a true story of combat sports. And I think one of the things that sort of triggered me, what I was saying triggered was when Floyd Mayweather made the comment that MMA fighters don't hit hard. And I looked at him like, you do understand like that. That's not a true translation. MMA fighters may not hit hard because they're not used to hitting with those giant gloves, or maybe they don't, they're not used to sort of generating the power you need to generate because they're worried about getting taken down or getting their ankles kicked off from under them. And, you know, the conversation went back and forth and I realized that he was getting very passionate about it. I'm like, am I a crazy one here? Like one, why are we having this debate? Two, why do we keep seeing these fights? And three, does it really prove one sport is better than the other? And can they hold that claim as long as boxing boxers refuse to step foot in the MMA cage? Yeah, good on this stuff. Um, I guess where I would kick it off with is I would love both of you all's opinion on. Of course, just by what you said, TJ, I, I know where you stand, but I, I still want to hear it. But I'm gonna go over to Locke first. I want to, you know, what's your opinion on the whole? I mean. Based on what we've seen, and I'm guessing he's talking about the high-profile fights, the Jake Paul fights and things of that sort, or even Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor, you know, uh, for him to say, hey, we have proof. Boxing's just better. What's your thoughts on that? It's 
it's weird weird because it's kind of it's like the classic bar argument that literally at one point would have been a bar argument we don't do that anymore because of google so now it's like the social media argument but um there's no right or wrong answer because who's better it depends every box boxers are better at mma fighters at at boxing you know what i mean just like mma so it's an awkward comparison i do like how boxing fans will just they will take any old ass shop more tyron you know uh tyron woodley uh uh askren you know and they're like yep see that's perfect evidence but when randy couture hits james tony with a high school ankle pick you know we're just like oh we just pretend like that ain't even a thing like that didn't happen you know what i mean like no it it works both ways and we know that that. first of all that never happened because james (laughs) tony is an all-time detroit great so he has never lost a fight that I saw. So let's just, let's put that out there first. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, and you know what? Some could say that James Tony would be a higher up legacy of representative into the boxing community than anybody we've seen outside of Anderson Silva step over to boxing, you know? Um, so I think that says a lot, you know, but it's just weird. Boxers conveniently like to forget that. And when Floyd says that MMA fighters don't hit hard, I mean, for one, Floyd says a lot of shit. But also, I mean, when's the last time anybody hit him hard? I mean, it could be argued Connor might have hit Mayweather harder than he's been hit in quite a while. Yeah, I would say it was definitely a quite a while. I would say there was probably only twice in Mayweather's career where he's actually gotten like hit hard where you saw it. I would say once in the um once in the Shane Mosley fight and once in the um uh which dude name? Um Zab Judah fight. Um in those two fights you saw, you know, him get hit hard and or rocked, right? And that's his whole career, right? As a boxer. Not before not talking about once he got into, you know, fighting uh, Logan Paul and all of that stuff, but as a boxer. Um, so, yeah, I definitely would uh, agree with you there. Was that the uh, end of your point? If so, I'm going to go over to uh, TJ. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I got more <laughs> shit to say, but I'll just fit it in where I get <laughs> All right, TJ, same question. So, basically, I mean, looking at it once again, I'm guessing he's judging that based on high-profile fights, stuff like that. Does he have a point? You, you got to unmute. There we go. I didn't realize I was muted. Um, that's, I, I don't think he has a point, right? And and I feel like, like Jeremy touched on this, Locke touched on this one, right? You're taking old wrestlers, 50-year-old strikers, and you're putting them in basically work, almost shoot work fights where they're basically, it's almost damn near prior rules, right? Like Anderson Silva versus Jake Paul is like, at no point in that fight was he trying to actually hurt Jake Paul, right? Like, and then when he actually did do it, he hurt him, and then he pulled back. Now, that could be speculation, that could be rumor, but it's like, does Jake Paul beating Anderson Silva by decision in a boxing exhibition proves anything to boxing or proves that it's better in MMA? Or does it actually show how detrimental or how much of a decline boxing is in general that a YouTuber is now the biggest face of that sport, right? Uh, and then the other aspect of it, too, is like, I'm not putting it in the notes, but boxing versus MMA to me is football versus basketball. It's like 
Why? Why do we need that? We don't need it. Okay, they're both using the ball, but we don't need it, right? An average soccer player may be faster than your average football running back, but I don't need to see them race. I don't need it. And that's kind of where I stand on it. Yeah, so this is what I would say. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I I was going to say on that, it's it's true. And, like, look – I'm not a huge basketball fan. I like all sports, you know. I mean, I obviously like when the Pistons are making runs. You know, I always keep tabs on what's going on. But I'm not a huge basketball fan. I do like football. They're just different. So I don't say, like, one's better or one's whatever. Like, they're different sports. I watch one, so people watch the other one. And there, there is no correlation. Like, yes, we could take uh, Tony Gonzalez and his prime and, uh, you know, all these top guys, you know, uh, Antonio Gates, even guys that play college ball, you go put them in basketball, they're going to get dominated because it's a different sport, you know? And yeah, it's so odd that nobody even clamors for anything like that. But for some reason in combat sports, it's, it's our go-to. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you my opinion on it. One of, yeah, I think that, um, I think that, you can only have the a true testament of which is better if you have crossovers of those individuals in their primes. And to answer the question as to why, I think this is very different than basketball versus football because they are combat sports. And because in particular, MMA fighters, they can get in a cage or a ring or whatever they're fighting in and decide to only throw hands, right? Yes, the defense is still different, but they still are in there at that point in time representing the skill of boxing. At no point in time is a football player really representing the skill of basketball or vice versa, right? So it's very different there, but The reason why the rule set is so important, you know, as anyone that will listen, know I'm a big fan of kickboxing and I'll say it in a general sense of those types of sports. Well, we've had a lot of crossovers with Muay Thai guys going into kickboxing and kickboxing guys going into Muay Thai. And overwhelmingly, who usually wins is depends on what rule set you're fighting under. Muay Thai guys, which I'm a, I'm probably a bigger fan of Muay Thai than kickboxing. They struggle a lot in kickboxing, right? It's a different sport. Now you would say, well, if both of them you're kicking, both of them you have on boxing gloves and you're boxing, both of them will allow leg kicks and head kicks and knees and elbows. How is it different? Because literally the rule set is that much different. The way it's scored, the way points are, all of those things dictate how a person is going to train to be successful in that particular sport. Now, as far as um, like how you mentioned TJ, Jake Paul, I think Jake Paul is an anomaly that we talked about before. And I think Jake Paul has skewed the lane of what people understand. And it's because Jake Paul did it right. And this is what I mean by that. Jake Paul was already a very wealthy man. He did. He wasn't, you know, like most boxers or MMA fighters coming from a very poor background and starting off as a kid and going through the ranks. Jake Paul used his money and fame and resources to create boxing camps around himself with no fights at all. 
bringing in top level boxers, bringing in MMA fighters and everything. And he trained for like three years steadily before he ever stepped foot in the ring. And so, but he, he, as the marketing person he is, he sold everything like, Hey, I'm this goofy YouTube kid. Meanwhile, you know, he's sparring Bud and he, you know, he's sparring, uh, uh, um, Sam Alvey and well, Sam Alvey said he was scared to step in the ring, but his, his brother's part, right? He's, he's bringing in literally all of these, these guys from, you know, boxing and MMA and making these own camps for himself, slowly bringing him up through the ranks, including trainers and everything, because he had the resources to do it. Now, the showman that he is, he says, okay, if I want to make this thing work, I don't want to go get boxers yet. I know this based on what I've seen by bringing these guys in. But I could fight some other YouTubers. Matter of fact, I could get some big name MMA guys that I know don't make a lot of money and I can pay them more money than they've ever made at the end of their career. And I have a better chance of winning. And to me, he just put together a perfect formula. Thoughts on that? I was chasing the young mute button. Um, I don't disagree with you on there. I, I think, again... It's it's almost proof to the state of boxing, right, as a whole, that he not only did he not only did he game the system, he became arguably the biggest promoter in the world, right? Like he he kind of damn near surpassed Eddie Hearn in terms of selling out fights or selling out, you know, promoting himself. Um, but it, it shows that there was this gaping hole in boxing where Jake Paul is what turned eyes to it. But I guess going back to the original theme of this, like does Jake Paul's success prove that boxing is better than MMA? I don't think so. Well, I think Jake Paul's still kind of doing it without boxing support. Cause I think a lot of the real diehard boxers don't want to try not to support him. So he's got a lot of his fan base. If he can ever make the crossover where he's fighting real boxers and then real boxing fans have to come in, he'd be even a much bigger draw. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously Jake Paul's easily to hate. He's easy to hate, but, it's not like he doesn't know that, you know what I mean? That he's a heel. I mean, his brother is literally doing it in the WWE. It's a, you know, it's a way to make money. And uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I think, I don't think boxing's that. I mean, I think there's some big name boxers out there and there's still some interesting fights that have nothing to do with Jake Paul. I think Jake Paul, I, I don't think it speaks much to boxing. I think what Jake Paul's doing isn't quite boxing yet it's still more sideshow yeah i don't I think just, that um sorry. i don't think that um what jake paul is doing hurts boxing this is what i think i think boxing was dying everybody knew boxing was dying and mma was coming up i don't think anybody would doubt that right most boxing people that were in boxing that shunned mma slowly started gravitating over to watching and appreciating because boxing was dying. And it's because we were in one of those in-between stages where you really just didn't have enough big names to carry on the sport. And as we know, the problem in boxing is the problem that they've always had. The champions would not fight each other to, to unite the titles. So it became a big problem. And you had so many champions, you say, for example, who's the lightweight champion? People would be like this person, that person. There was too many belts, right? So that became a big problem in boxing. And what Jake Paul is doing 
it's irrelevant to belts. It's irrelevant to anything except for putting on a spectacle. Now, going back to what you said, TJ, does it prove that boxing is better than MMA or anything like that? Well, this is where I think your point is relevant. If you're only talking about the name of the sport, whether one is better or not, you can't because they're different sports. If we're talking about combat sports or fighting, we know the answer to that. And anybody that doesn't know the answer to that, they're an idiot. And that is, if you lock two people in a room with no rules, who's coming out of that room? Nine times out of 10, it's the MMA guy. Yeah, the, the, the boxing guy could get lucky, but he has the he has the one shot basically to get lucky. The MMA guys has too many tools that would take the boxing guy out of his element, right? So, it, it, but once again, if we're simply talking about the sport of boxing versus the sport of MMA, there is no better because we're never seeing boxing going against MMA. If we were, what we would see is a boxer coming into a, a ring, only being able to use what he used in boxing. And an MMA fighter coming into the ring, only being able to use all the tools that he used in MMA, and we see a clash. That's boxing versus MMA. And that's not going to happen. So we never actually see it. And in that situation, the boxer gets worked. Absolutely. I just... I- I mean, I did they try and do that? Muhammad Ali versus like uh like Antonio some overseas wrestler or something? Antonio yeah, that was a you can't weird, dis- you can't dis- you can't disrespect that legend like that. <laughs> that some was a overseas weird, wrestler. Yeah, weird rules, crazy <laughs> thing. But anyway, TJ, go ahead. Nah, so that fight, if y'all ever watched that documentary, is really interesting how that fight, like what happened and how it took place. Antonio Noki is a very yeah, prideful terrible. dude. That shit is hilarious. Uh, I mean, some people argue that's what ended Ali's career. I don't know if I believe that, but damn. Uh, nah, so like, again, and I'm sure we've all been in rooms where we've had conversations with very passionate people that support their team, their sport, or whatever they think they know. But I've actually had, you know, one, both this friend and other boxing sort of loyalists or boxers or practitioners say to me stuff like that. All fights start on the feet and it only takes one shot. All fights start on the feet. It only takes one shot. I remember I had this argument with this guy. I'm like, I, I literally, as we were talking about that, I'm like, I am a white belt in jujitsu. And if me and you got into a real life fight, knowing that you think you can box me, I would literally get on my knees, grab your ankle and pull you down and then beat the fuck out of you. Because once you're on your back, I can just climb on top of you and beat you or choke you out or whatever. Right. And he's like, nah, because as soon as you start coming to me, I would just swing on you. And I'm like, you're not listening to me. I will fall on my knees. Once I fall on my knees and grab you, you're not going to hit me. He's like, no, that's not how it is because boxing is so much faster. And I'm like, are we, Are am I missing a point? Are you delusional? Or are you just so sort of such a hardcore fan of this sport that you can't understand that you're talking about a one-dimensional sport? If I got in a boxing ring, you'd be my ass. Great. But we're talking about if we got into a fight on the street, right? Uh, so that's kind of where, again, that's where like what birthed this sort of theme or this conversation I wanted to have here. Yeah. Well, and I think this is what no I'm... matter what, no matter what, I think you have your boxing purists always are going to favor boxing. You know what I mean? Um, they're just just gonna. And then I think your super casuals, they lean towards that because it's flashier looking. You you, you know, 
Um, if you don't know what you're doing, grappling can be, look pretty awkward or pretty boring, you know, and people just don't get it. So I think people just gravitate against it. I mean, you even see like there's the, that terrible movie, the grud match, grud match or something where they had like an MMA boxing argument. And he said, uh, yeah, we used to have a name for people in the neighborhood that kicked their kicks. It was, we called them girls or something like that. Like, like we just do this weird thing where like, it's, you know, to stand there and punch people. And, uh, I think it's just cause there's this, uh, I don't know. It's just been the sport of the century, you know, uh, back to the old, uh, you know, fisticuff rules. And, uh, I think it's lack of understanding, but I think you got a whole big fan base in the middle that really doesn't care as much. You just have the uneducated on both sides that on either side that think, oh yeah, the boxing is the way to go. Cause there's a lot of people that even prefer to watch boxing to MMA that still know you can't compete in the two, a bo- uh, MMA guy with terrible boxer. Yeah. Let me, let me say this. And this goes back to <clears throat> something that you mentioned TJ, as far as um, Floyd Mayweather, when he says that boxers hit harder, he probably is telling the truth. Now I know I kind of touched on it. He really doesn't get hit, but a punch in boxing, your feet are different. Your turn is different. The torque that you put on, all of that is different because you don't have to be in the kind of stance that is prepared for a takedown. So the same with Muay Thai guys, why kickboxing translates better to MMA than Muay Thai is because with Muay Thai guys, they're really heavy on that back leg and really light on that front leg for, um, you know, blocking kicks uh, and teats and things of that sort, which also allows them to do kind of like a, a, a really good, quick hop to the front leg and, you know, a roundhouse or some type of kick with that back leg that's really, really strong and powerful. Way more powerful, in my opinion, than the kickboxer. But now that stance that's a little bit more narrow and way heavier on the back leg, you put a wrestler in the ring with them and they're going to get taken down really, really easily. It's not even a fight, right? So, but that's a part of why they have such good uh, checks for their kicks and such good, uh, you know, roundhouse and leg kicks and whatnot. So with a boxer, once again, because they're not worried about that and the way their stance is, they can put more torque and twist into a punch because it's not as detrimental if they miss one and they don't have to worry about that takedown. So that allows you to hit harder. Yes. Um, now, as far as like what you said about the, the you know, the guy that was whoever you were talking to. Um, yeah, both both. Both things start on the feet, but if you have more skills, so for example, if you're a boxer, how many boxers are used to you get ready to come in and you get hit with a teak kit to the to the uh you know to the sternum, you know, to the to the to the abdomen? What about a, a low calf kick? You've never experienced that. You really don't even know what it feels like. And I don't know if you've ever seen someone that hasn't been teak get teak before. But it yeah, works. yeah, it's a different experience. Yeah. And, and not to mention, literally, 
I've been teed into a wall before. It doesn't, a padded wall, it doesn't feel good, right? <laughs> so, so, um, you know, you have all of these different elements and that's why, you know, in the world of mixed martial arts, the whole point is, let me take something from here, something from here, something from here. I'm not going to be the best in these individual areas, but put them all together. I create a package that usually can beat all those individual areas, right? So, for example, I don't think MMA fighters beat kickboxers or Muay Thai guys or anything like that. But those guys, when they transition over to MMA, it takes a lot. They have to learn a lot to transition over. So, and I think that's just one of those dynamics you're already always going to have. And the person that doesn't understand that, and this goes to your uh, point, Locke, the person that don't understand that, they're either completely don't want to see it, they're blind, or they're such so novice of a fan that I wouldn't even argue with them. Because if you can't understand that having more tools in the toolbox, even if we start off standing, like... Just take something like how many boxers would be prepared for an Anderson Silva kick to the face, you know, <laughs> like, you know, to the chin. It's there's nothing in their training whatsoever where they have ever trained for that. And if we know anything, even from the early UFC, although jujitsu is effective, one of the reasons why it was so overwhelmingly effective at that time is because nobody they didn't understand it. They hadn't prepared for it. They hadn't trained for it and they didn't know what to do. That's it. And that's what it would be a boxer going up against, uh, uh, you know, uh, or uh, in the case where you mentioned TJ, it's a regular dude going up against somebody that has trained MMA. They're going to get hit with something they've never, ever seen or experienced before. Didn't uh, Demetrius Johnson beat a, uh, a Muay Thai guy? Rock yeah, game. it was a mixed rules. Mixed rules. Yeah, it was mixed gotcha. rules. It okay. was it was one the first round He beat was, him at MMA. Yeah, the first Got round it. was Muay Thai and the second round was MMA. And the first round, although he did good, it was very scary and he ran a lot. And the second <laughs> round he said, I'm gonna get this to the ground. I'm going to do whatever to get in and take this guy out. And that's exactly what He happened. survived the first round. Yes. Like, that He's was the game plan. Bit. Like, survive the first round by any means necessary and get it to the second round. And he said, came at him a couple times, though. It, it was pretty scary, though, because he was scrappy as fuck. You know, Buddy Miles is a beast, but he got clipped a couple times doing it, and it's like, ah, yeah. probably shouldn't and that, do that, that man. Proved, that proved that point. He went up against probably the best guy We've seen a long time in Muay Thai in that weight class. And the Muay Thai guy gave it to him that first round. It was clearly the Muay Thai guy's round. Second round, probably it didn't a little matter. smaller. Say it again? No, I don't think Rotang's smaller. No? Nah, no. Nope. He's bigger. Uh, that was, yeah, his, I, that was all, I mean, ain't too many people smaller than Demetrius Johnson, though. So, like, that's. Well, I mean, he might be know. taller. Rotang's pretty little, though. He fights at like 115, don't he? No, no, no. They fight at the same weight class. They both fight at 35. I think Rod Tang have even had some 45 fights. Yeah, he's, okay. a, he's a solid dude. But but to the point, and this goes to what you were saying, like, DJ winning, he could survive in Muay Thai. He won in MMA. Yeah. So, that, I mean, but that, like, that kind of, like, I don't know. I guess I don't want to keep saying what's better because I still feel like we shouldn't say what's better. I think it's always going to be what the rules are that proves the point. But, like, Demetrius makes a case to say, like, 
an MMA fighter can survive in this other sport, right? Like Tyron Woolley aside, he survived essentially the first fight, even though I still think it was weird and almost kind of won that fight. You can make the case that Anderson Silver survived in boxing. Um, I was going to say Connor, but I wouldn't use Connor as a good example. But like, I don't think that there is, and I know we got this further down in the notes, but I don't think you a boxer can come into MMA and survive. I just don't think that that's, there's no real opportunity for them unless they've trained it for some years, like completely given up their old sport and moved over to MMA. Well, I mean, I think that can survive depending on the circumstances and what we're calling surviving, right? Because um, Clarissa Shields is a great example of that, right? She She's done well in, in PFL. She lost her last fight and, you know, went back and defended her boxing title, but uh, her, she got in there with real MMA fighters, and I would argue that I think that was her third fight, this last fight. But, you know, I would argue – I muted you, TJ, if you're trying to say so. Uh, but um, her, um, you know, she's getting in there with real competition. I would say the competition she's getting in there, comparatively speaking, is probably better than some of the people getting in there with Jake Paul just because, once again, you know, them – you know, a person training specifically for a sport a certain period of time. But outside of that, I, yeah, I totally agree. You know, um, it's the reason why you don't, it's not just the money. That's the reason why you don't see boxers cross over. It's easier to take away skill than it is to add a whole bunch of new stuff. When you've been training one way your whole life, once again, going back to it, most of these people start at a very young age. They're kids, especially in boxing. I mean, boxing, you start at like nine, right? So, you know, uh, Muay Thai is the same way. A lot of those Muay Thai kids started like six, seven years old. So when you look at it that you've been doing this your whole life, it's hard to cross over. MMA guys, a lot of, especially nowadays, you start off in MMA, right? You start off learning everything and you're only taking the best things that have proven to work in multiple situations out of these other sports. And that's what I think makes you so dangerous. Like you were muted uh... like four times and didn't say anything. (laughs) What is going on over there? (laughs) I was going to say shout out to Clarissa uh, Shield because I do think that she's a prime example of uh, someone that took it, took it, I guess I would say did it the right way gave it his due respect. Like she still to this day gives MMA its due respect. She doesn't make the bullshit claims. Um, and she tried. Right. And then because she trained in it, she trained in it. Right. And she did it. And the areas that she lost, like she was losing her first fight in the grappling, which is the hardest, you know, skill set to learn. And she came back and won it. Cause she, you know, she was fighting another amateur fighter essentially who transitioned to pro and she outlasted her. So that's great. And then the second fight, you know, you could make the argument that had the person she was fighting been a bit more dangerous, she could have hurt her seriously. She got lucky that she fought a very low-level MMA fighter in her second fight, but she did make it to the bill, so that that's a good sign. Well, and, yeah, um, to your... Go ahead, Lock. I'm sorry. Well, and, and one thing I think, and Clarissa Shields still has still been doing both sports, which she still hasn't fully committed, which I think we haven't got to see her best MMA side. And, uh, and and I mean I don't know how much it affects her training. I don't I don't know, but she still is boxing on the side and having boxing fights and defending that title. So I think you know when you look at her taking losses, look it's 
I actually appreciate a fighter could take some losses. I feel like that's kind of a person that's committing to the sport, you know, is taking the lumps on the way up. Um, but it's, you know, a Clarissa Shields style bender, I know is not a boxer, but he's more of a pure striker that made the transition. But we're still talking about people that are few and far between in, you know, in these. You say who? Sports. I'm sorry. Uh, the say? style bender. I, oh. I know he's not a boxer, he's a kickboxer, but I'm saying the striker, the pure striker's making the transition. But how you had said, it's easier to take skills away than it is to add them. I think MMA fighters, even like people that come from a wrestling background that have done this for a while, look, they will never be able to close the gap in boxing when it comes, you know, the sweet science and just pure throwing hands. You you, you can't close that gap. You know, like you said, some of these guys start at nine or whatever. But there is a phrase, you know, a puncher's chance. So, and you can throw a punch and land it and win a fight. You can't accidentally shoot a double, you know what I mean? And then transition to, to half guard, you know what I mean? And then work from there. Like that's not accidentally going to happen typically. So yeah, it's easier to lose some skills. And I think the natural fist fighting aspect where you're never going to be able to compete, you always have that option of being able to land the haymaker. Whereas mat time can't be made up for. And I think most pure strikers feel it when a real grappler puts their hands on them. You know, they get that look like, oh, yeah, this is different. Yeah, I think um, I think uh, kickboxing Muay Thai still translates over to MMA better than boxing, right? So, like, when you mentioned style better, because then if you already have the 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 – you know, hands and you have the feet and now your striking is so much more dangerous than a MMA fighter striking. What you really need to learn and put work into is take down defense so that you can always keep it standing. And that's what a lot of those guys do. They don't work a whole lot on wrestling as far as taking somebody down. They don't work a whole lot on jiu-jitsu they work that stuff but most of it is this is my skill if i can keep it standing nobody can strike with me right the problem with boxing again is you only have the hands and with gloves there's no elbows there's no knees there's no no head kicks right that that's a lot to overcome and then you add in wrestling and stuff with that so what usually what you see and I think what you see with Clarissa Shields also is they don't even try to add when boxers come over. They don't even try to add in any of the kicking stuff. Maybe they teach them to check a kick, but all they try to do is combine the wrestling with the boxing, right? That's what you usually see. So a lot of times it still takes a really long time for them to develop because it's just so much to learn. Now, Another thing, and this goes back to the point both of you all made with um, a lot of times in MMA, uh, when they go over to boxing, we see really old MMA guys and we still see them survive, right? And um, I don't think that if you take a retired boxer and you put them into MMA, I don't think they make it out one round. I don't think there's one that can make it out of MMA in one round. I don't even think that if you take a current boxer in his prime, that they're going to make it out one round 
in boxing. Now, granted, as you as you said, Locke, yes, they do have a puncher's chance. We know that from Ray Mercer, Tim Sylvia, right? But we also know, we found out later that Tim Sylvia was not the smartest guy. And they made kind of a gentleman's agreement to that he decided he was going to box with Ray Mercer. Why would you do that? That makes no sense whatsoever. And he paid the price and got knocked out, right? But we also know that Ray Mercer was handled very easily by Kimbo Slice. And we wouldn't consider Kimbo Slice the top of the heap of MMA. But one thing that he did do, he was like Clarissa Shields. When he went to train, he took MMA seriously and he seriously trained MMA, right? I think it was way too late in his, you know, quote unquote career, um, you know, for him to really make that crossover. It was so much to learn, but uh, he handled Ray Mercer pretty easily. So, uh, but I don't think you'll ever see it the other way. You're not going to see a retired boxing guy come over to MMA. Uh, you know, James Tony. Um, if you remember when when um, <laughs> when Dana White talked about that, you know, James Tony was the first. Uh, uh, what's my bad name? Uh, uh, Shannon Briggs. He was the first Let's Go champ. He would show up everywhere that Dana White was at, and call out Dana White and Randy Couture. To the point where Dana White was like, I have to get this guy a fighter. He's not going to leave me alone. And it was a one fight only deal. And and James Tony had been training. And we know how that ended, right? So I just think that people don't realize how much goes into the chess match. The, 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 the chess match that we call MMA. And when you have a sport, the more that's taken away from all of these tools in your sport, the harder it will be for you to transition into that sport. And, you know, and James Tony kept saying, he's like, if he shoots in, I'm a uppercut, I'm going to knock him out. You know, that's what every boxer says that. I've yeah. heard it so many times. That was the yeah, old thing that the people uppercut. used to say, right, before yeah. that. It was like, no. Like, you know, you know I know what an uppercut is, right? <laughs> I mean, you know. But anyways, so, so that was his game plan, right? And, uh, we see how that worked out. But what I like is immediately afterwards, he was like, all right, well now Randy Couture should have to box me. And they asked Randy Couture that like at the press conference. And he, he said, he said that, uh, I wouldn't be cocky enough to assume I could beat him at what he does best. And if I were to, I think it would end the same way with me losing, you know, with him winning in the first round. Yep. It would go the exact same. He'd beat me in the first round. If I was to box him, so I wouldn't do it. And I think that sums it up. He he was smart enough to know I would never box James Tony. That's ridiculous. And he and Randy Couture is like a really good boxer in the army or some shit, right? But he knows he can't box James Tony. But James Tony thought he could come. You know? I mean, but that that that's it's it brings up another interesting point which is MMA fans are way more supportive of boxers in general and respective than the other way, right? Like we collectively, when we heard Clarissa Shields was getting into MMA, we all rooted on rooted for her, right? Like, oh shit, good. She's training. She's doing the work. She's putting it in. And we even like, you know, for me, I watched both her fights and actually was like, oh, I hope she pulls out a win. Cause I like one, I like her in Detroit, you know, hometown girl. But two, I'm like, I, I don't mind that, you know? Um, whereas you don't see that same sort of, respect for MMA fighters going into boxing in general. 
Yeah, I think that's because that's the way it always is. No, the a lot of times the new school, the new school pays respect to the old school, and then the old school decides to disrespect the new school. So now the new school gets disrespectful. But the only thing that's seen, like a person that throws a rock and hide their hand, is the new school being disrespectful, right? We see we've seen that in rap, right? We've seen that in, in sports a lot in, 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 you know, basketball, football, you name it. Right. It's like, uh, you know, recently uh, Shaq and um, and Kareem, you know, had a conversation and, you know, Kareem was explaining. He was like, you know, when I said X, Y, Z, it really wasn't meant to be disrespectful, yada, yada, yada. And Shaq was like, you know, what you saying that actually made me 10 times better. So, so I, I, are we good? You know what I mean? But it's usually that older person disrespecting the younger person. And in this case, boxing being the older profession, if you remember, and some of the newer fans wouldn't remember this, everybody in boxing from your Teddy Atlases, there's always talking about MMA now to all of these guys were so disrespectful to MMA when it was making a rise before it was the big name that it is now. And they were calling it human cockfighting. They were still saying it should be bad. I'm talking about this is after Zufa has took taken over the UFC. UFC's in multiple states. It's under the Nevada Athletic State Commission, right? All of this stuff. And they're still saying these things. Why? It was fear, right? You want the legacy of whatever you're doing to stand and you want it to stand on top. And these new people are changing what that thing is. And now what happens you come out to attack that. And initially, the people that are so respectful in turn has to say, you know, I'm not going to keep taking this disrespect. Something has to happen. And I think that's what happened in MMA. And if you remember early on, a lot of MMA guys, if they could, they would try to do some training with boxing guys. It wasn't a disrespect. GSP is a great example of that. He even went and trained with Freddie Roach. Hey, I want to get some of the, you know, I want to get a guy that's trained some of the best boxers. You know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Emmanuel Stewart said, when in the, I think when the MMA do start trying to train with Manny, um, uh, of course, um, uh, Mayweather them camp, a couple people went over there. King Mo went over there, which it never improved his striking. He, he, he did worse because all of a sudden he actually thought he was Mayweather. And he thought this regular shoulder roll was going to work in MMA until he get kicked in the face or something, right? But you saw the respect that it was like, I respect these guys and I respect these trainers. I wanted to go and get down with them to improve my skill over here. There's something about wrestlers. Wrestlers want to be boxers so fucking bad, dude. I don't know why. Every every wrestler thinks they can be boxers. Reminds me of the quote. Every basketball every player wants to be a rapper. And every rapper, yeah. That's yep, crazy. D- definitely true. I want to throw something else out there, though. Something else you have brought up, TJ. I want to talk about Holly Hong. I think she's a person that we, you know, got to talk about. She's definitely a person we got to add to the list of uh, of gloves and roses. I think she needs flowers for both the sport of, uh, of MMA and boxing, but... You know, you threw it out there as the, the, you know, really the only successful person that ever transitioned that was a boxing champion or, you know, a high-level boxer that successfully 
transitioned over to MMA. So I know you put that out there. So I'm going to actually throw it over to you first. Yeah, I think, you know, I threw it out there because one, it's a it's the respect level, right? And the approach to it. One of the things that made Holly Holm great when she first transitioned over and yeah, she transitioned during a period where striking in MMA wasn't the highest level at that point, but she didn't go, she wasn't a boxer testing the waters in MMA. She stopped boxing and learned MMA. She had, I think she has a boxing slash karate background, right? But she stopped boxing and basically put herself, you know, nose, what's the word? I can't think of the proper terminology, but she put her head down and she learned how to become an MMA fighter, right? And that became her skill set. And that became what that became her main form of, you know, athleticism or sport or fighting. And she then took it into the cage and she became successful. Right. And it helped her because once she learned the grappling, she learned the kickboxing aspects of it. Then she was able to implement her boxing footwork to carry her to a championship. Right. Like you watch her when she beats up Ronda Rousey. She beats Ronda by just dancing around her until she throws that leg kick. You know what I'm saying? Um and I think that that like she's a perfect example of paying proper respect to a sport and transitioning over. And um, I also think she's one of the greatest, you know, and women's MMA fighters in the world. Even though I know she's been on this awful loser streak for the last five or ten years, she's also what touching forty, if not past it at this point. But like, I just think that you know, if Carissa Shields was to take the path that Holly Holm took, I think Carissa Shields would be a champion in the UFC or in MMA. Yeah, no, I agree. Lock, what you got on uh, Holly Holm? Uh, Holly Holm's always a tough one because I'm a big fan, and she's also one where even with her l- losing streak, you know, she's a – I hate to be that guy, but a bad bad bounce on a decision here and a decision there away from, you know, possibly being the greatest – being Nunez or, you know, being at least in that conversation as the greatest female fighter ever and uh, – yeah, I do like that she made the commitment and she went, you know, she found a good gym that was known for game planning to, you know, implement your style and she surrounded herself, you know, uh, with the best in the world, you know, or, you know, the wor- elite level and she really submerged herself. And I think it goes, like you said, uh, and everybody's always been behind Holly Holm. Nobody's ever said, oh, I hope they beat up this boxer, you know, like I feel like everybody like Holly Holm's probably more loved. Well, she's clearly she's way more loved by the MMA community than the boxing community. Yeah, I think, um, so I think one thing that's really important to know about Holly Holm and, you know, I'm pretty sure the internet will correct me if I'm wrong. It wouldn't be the first wrong thing I said on here. It won't be the last, (laughs) right? (laughs) But um, Holly Holm has always cross-trained, right? Her, Her boxing coach was her kickboxing coach and was her MMA coach. So she started off boxing and kickboxing at the same time. But at the time, it really was nothing there for her in kickboxing and her boxing was better. So she went went down that road to be a champion. So going back to kind of like what we talked about, when we talk about the style benders or, you know, uh, uh, um, the Pereiras or um, shoot, it's, it's, it's been a lot of guys through the years that, you know, really had that kickboxing background. Uh, when we look at that, it's an easier transition over to MMA. So since she already always had that training and she was at a gym where she's seeing these things, right? Even if you're not constantly training something 
and you're at the gym and you're doing boxing and you're watching all, all these other things, there's still a lot of information you're downloading. You're talking to these people. You're asking different things, right? And it gives you way more time to ramp up without people even expecting it. So there's no pressure on you to be great right away, right? So she was always with Winkle John. So now let's say her last 10 boxing matches, she may have been fully trained in MMA during that time and nobody would know it because it wasn't relevant. And then when she came out, uh, uh, women's MMA wasn't on the big stage like that. It wasn't that big. Her first fight wasn't that big of a deal. It was a lot less pressure. It wasn't a Clarissa Shields. We didn't have social media, right? And we, the things that we have now just wasn't in that way. So I think but we did. It was just called the Sherdog Forums. <laughs> true, true. But, you know, so much of that that she didn't have to experience. And then you take those skills of always cross training, at least in boxing and kickboxing. And now you translate that over to MMA. And once again, if you remember, her biggest thing was she had really good takedown defense. She won the Ronda fight with takedown defense. So once again, if you have a kickboxer and they're really good and you give them really good takedown defense, it is a really good chance they could become uh, 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 they could become a champion because their striking is going to be better than almost all of your MMA fighters, right? And now they have the tool that a boxer just doesn't have because once again, there's too many things they have to add on. They have the strike in both with hands and kicks. So it's not as simple as, oh, you got hands and you can keep it on the feet. Well, I'm going to kick your legs to the roof and I'm going to kick you in the head and you don't know how to block it. No, I'm going to kick you. You have to figure it out. And now when you try and take me down, I'm going to keep it, keep it on the feet until I, you know, kick your head out of the ring. And even if we look at early Aldo, Jose Aldo was a great example of that. Yes, he was a MMA fighter, but early Aldo, he was a pure Muay Thai kickboxer guy. You look at those early fights, all those leg kicks and stuff, and you look at him fighting, you know, from the California kid to whoever else, all he did was keep it on the feet and he wanted to strike. And you can become champion that way. So... Would that make Marcus Davis the best MMA converted boxer? He was on, in the episode we did, he was on that list. Marcus Davis was, I don't have my list in front of me. I couldn't find it. just pure it. boxers then because everybody else has a ba like a kickboxing background. So it's really like what, Clarissa Shields or Marcus Davis? Yeah. So wait, wait, we're saying Marcus Davis went from boxing to MMA? Yeah. Well, because all the other boxers that. had like a, a kickboxing transition. So if kickboxing right. makes it easier to convert to MMA, I'm just saying straight boxers that have succeeded in MMA. And yeah, I, I didn't level. know Marcus Davis was a pro boxer before he came to MMA. Yeah, I didn't know until we did that episode where I had to do a bunch of research on it. And I was looking for my sheet with all that stuff on it, and I could not find it. And me having a list of everybody wasn't as relevant for this episode, just based on what we had laid out. So I didn't go down that same road. But the one we did before, it was purely just about that. It was, I think that episode was just about fighters transitioning from one to, one way to another. And we went over pretty much all the fighters that either went from boxing to MMA or tried to go from MMA to boxing. 
And we went through like a, a list of a bunch of people that people wouldn't have known that made that transition. But he never became champion. That's the only thing, you know? Right. Okay, one Marcus last thing Davis, I want to... Marcus Davis is Irish-American. His nickname was the Irish Hand Grenade. He wanted to go have a fight over in Ireland. And they're like, hey, uh-oh. That shit ain't funny. Get a new nickname, <laughs> dude. So one thing I do want to throw out there, and this... um. This was another thing that, you know, TJ kind of threw out that I, I want to look at. Um, right now, are there any MMA fighters that you think can successfully transition over to boxing or vice versa, either right now or you can even pick somebody where you think, you know what, I don't know anybody right now, but this person in their prime, I think would have been able to cross over. Anybody that you can think of. You want to I go saw Laka muted. I thought he was. Are you going? Are you go ahead. All right. Well, I mean, I, I think my first, the the most obvious one, I think, is uh, Francis Ngannou. I feel like a lot of people would get are discrediting discrediting him, saying he wants to box, but a lot of people forget that he actually was a trainee to be a pro boxer before he transitioned to MMA. So I do think that you know, if he does it the right way, if he's actually going to focus on boxing, he could become successful in boxing do i think he's going to be a champion do i think he can outbox tyson fury no right the best boxers in the world can't outbox tyson fury however he does have the power and he does have you know solid head movement and speed that he could actually you know be competitive right um like the question is one of my favorite boxers though is could anthony joshua take a straight clean punch from francis Ngano? i don't know um but i also go like if you want to go back in history in terms of fighters mma fighters that i think could have transitioned into boxing and be and been successful. I think Prime Anderson Silva would have done really good in boxing. I uh I hate to say this with any level of like, you know, sort of commitment, but I do think a younger prime Conor McGregor would have been successful in boxing had he committed to it, right? I think if he'd have followed up the Floyd Mayweather fight with a couple of like lower level skilled boxers, he would have actually kind of created a little bit of a run there. I don't think he was ever going to be like the champion or the best of the best in that scenario, but I do think he could have been successful. Um, boxers to MMA proves the point, you know, that I made earlier, like how many boxers can you name right now that you could actually have a valid, you know, a valid, valid conversation about them transitioning, right? Like right now, I think boxing, unless you're a hardcore boxing fan is so sort of desolute in terms of high level fighters that you can track. I mean, we know, Carissa's making a transition. I think she's doing good. Um, but, like, I can't think of any other boxers in any other division. I'm like, yeah, I want to see them try it out in this scenario. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I feel like to make the transition for boxing to MMA, I don't think any of them can do it, really. But I'm saying if I got to pick somebody, I feel like it'd have to be some kind of a heavyweight, you know, because that's the the division where you're most likely to be able to punch the shit out of someone coming in or, you know, be able to maybe learn how to sprawl and whiz her out of something like that. Uh, so I don't know. It would have to be one of the heavyweights. Um, I think an MMA, someone, I think uh, Moreno, you know, I feel like if he chose to go boxing instead of MMA or he's still kind of young enough and I think uh, he's got a, you know, diverse enough skill set. I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's... 
anybody in MMA could box as long as they're not boxing real boxers. You know, if they're going to box each other or old boxers or, you know, famous people that like to box, then they can do it. But yeah, like they could actually make the conversion. Yeah, I think maybe Moreno. So I think could do something like that. You don't think Moreno's too slow? What's that? For boxing? So you don't think Moreno's too slow for boxing? Maybe. He might be real strong, though. Fair. I think MMA is actually, I forgot to mention this when you said that earlier. I would disagree with the person that said that boxing is faster. I don't think boxing is faster. I think boxing looks faster because it's very different footwork and they're only using their hands. So you have less hesitation on certain punches. You just purely throw them, right? And you can throw them from a different angle, which allows it to be a bit faster, right? Which is kind of like, um, if you think back to what um, when Michael Jai White, you know, was showing uh, Kimbo Slice, that's, that's what he was. He was helping uh, Kimbo understand in particular when he was saying how. Uh, and if you look to go back to that, when he threw his boxing punch, it looked faster. It wasn't. It, it's literally because of the movement and everything that you do within that. It wasn't faster, right? Um, a lot of speed in boxing come from footwork. And me being, I was a huge fan of boxing way before him and May. And I would always have this argument with people about Floyd Mayweather back in the day. And then somebody recently talked about it. It was, um, well, not recently, but fairly recently. It was uh, Berto when he fought him. And I was explaining to people, it's not that Floyd is that fast. He's that fast because of the angles and stuff that he hits and his footwork where you just don't see these punches coming. If you can't see where I'm hitting you from, it's going to seem way faster than just a fast punch. So let me throw that out there. I don't I don't think boxing's fast. But um, as far as transitioning... Michael John White was just doing that with uh, uh, John Jones now. Him and John Jones. I don't Jones think I saw that out. one. Yeah, yeah I don't right, think I Just recently, too. So you better watch out, John Jones. You know that fucking Michael Jai White fast punch, man. You don't you don't move your shoulder, is what it is. Something. Yeah, John you don't Jones roll out here your sandbagging shoulder. people. Oh, sorry, go ahead. You said what, TJ? No, go ahead. I said John Jones out here sandbagging people on Instagram, showing himself in mid slow as shit, stiff, not even like hitting angles right, missing the mids. I'm like, bro, come on, nobody believes this right now. Stop it. <laughs> So let me throw out there to y'all as far as transitions, uh, people that I thought, I definitely think a Prime Anderson could have did it. And if you remember, Prime Anderson actually wanted to, uh, he wanted to fight uh, uh, um, uh, Roy Jones, um, you know what I mean, back when he was like Prime, Prime Anderson. Um, This is the issue. I think there's a lot of boxers, I mean, a lot of MMA fighters that can transition over to boxing. The issue is, going back to what I said about Jake Paul, especially back there, I don't think that there's any MMA fighters that had made enough money to take three years off to really dedicate themselves to boxing. Had they done that? Yeah, I think they can transition. I don't think it's, I don't think it's that, that big versus going the opposite way, right? Um, and I think if a Jake Paul can go from nobody to even beating MMA fighters in a, in a, you know, in a boxing ring with 
you know, three years of really, really solid, dedicated training that shows you what that can do. Um, I think um, GSP could have transitioned over uh, in his prime, especially with a lot of the work he did with Freddie Roach. And this is the biggest reason I think he could have transitioned over. And this is the same reason why I don't think it's a good idea at all for Ngano to uh to to fight uh uh Tyson Fury. One of the biggest things that MMA fighters don't have because it's not quite as dangerous as it is in boxing is a really good jab and a defense after the jab. And if you remember that's what GSP got when he started training with Freddie Roach. That was the same jab that broke the orbital bone of um, of Koscheck, right? Um, and once he developed that and mixed it in with his wrestling, if you remember, he would throw this jab that he would just keep hitting him with, like jab, like jab. And then all of a sudden, he would throw a jab or fake a jab and then go for that takedown. And it was unstoppable because he had got so good at throwing that jab. I think he could have mixed in lock you unmuted. You were gonna throw something in there. Well, the GSP guy real good at throwing like a long jab too. Like he could throw that jab long as fuck and like maximize yeah. his length. It was uh it was impressive. You beat up Jake Shields with that too. Yeah, you don't you don't learn that. That's not in any MMA gym. You gotta go to a boxing gym to get that, right? Now, Tyson Fury learned his under the greatest trainer ever to teach a big man a jab. Straight out of Detroit, Michigan, right? Tyson Fury got his when he started working with Emmanuel Stewart back in the day and learning that. And we saw Emmanuel Stewart completely transition every big man he took with that. From Lennox Lewis to the Klitschko brothers, all of them became in their maximum greatness after working with him and learning how to get behind that strong jab. If you take that jab away from Tyson Fury even though I still think he cheated. He loses both of those fights uh, easily to... Uh, uh, um, his name's not coming to me right now, but uh, y'all know, <laughs> right? He, he, loses, he loses to Deontay Wilder? Yeah, he loses to Wilder both of those fights easily. If he can't get behind that jab easily, he loses both of those fights, right? So um, when I look at that, that's why that fight is so dangerous for Nganu. Ngannou is still a power puncher. I don't think that even his boxing back in the day, I don't think has trained him for a superior uh, Emmanuel Stewart boxing jab. It's something different, and I don't think people realize how different it is. The other fighter I would say, MMA, that could have transitioned over, I think a young Rumble Johnson could have transitioned over. Um, I think his stance and everything was already a, a good one for that and I think you know weight class he he could have gotten in. We know he wouldn't have made one seventy, right? <laughs> but you know maybe you know he started off at one seventy. You know I think he could have been a, a cruiser weight or something like that, and you know really went in there and mixed it up. I think one seventy five is light heavy, and then cruiser is one ninety, I believe, in boxing. So you know he could have got in there somewhere, especially in those early days, and I think he could have did a lot of damage. Crossing over the other way, of course, you got to go with young Tyson. You know, young Tyson built like a tank. I think he could have, um, you know, I think he could have learned the skills based on his dynamic movement, footwork, everything like that. 
if you look at what he did with his footwork and his legs, I think that easily could have transitioned into teaching him, you know, what in, in, um, in, uh, uh, in, um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu called a duck walk, uh, lock. You have to tell me what it's called in wrestling, but when you go down from knee to knee, like, you know, practicing to get ready for that, uh, that, you know, single leg or whatever, easily with the, the way he built up in his legs, getting in that low stance, Easily, he could have learned some of that stuff and and took it. And then the other person, Javante Tate Davis. I think, you know, he's making so much money in boxing, he'll never do it. A few years back, he mentioned it. I don't think it'll ever happen, but I think you take him a few years back and give him solid, solid training, training. Just start training his wrestling right away. Wrestler, 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 wrestling. And then slowly mixing all the things, I think he could have been a dangerous MMA fighter. Well, and I heard Tank Davis said because uh, he's already has a background in wrestling because he knows wrestling from back in the hood and shit, right? Isn't that what listen, he said? Listen, we're not going there. We talked about that once. We are not going there. <laughs> we're not going there. <laughs> he literally That's said terrible. that. That's we're terrible. not going there. That's terrible. I mean, Ryan Garcia keeps claiming he's going to switch over to MMA, so it should be interesting to see. Ryan Garcia might secretly be doing a Jake Paul because he doesn't fight. He rarely fights. And he's he's always everywhere. You know, he's more of a social media personality than anything. And him, he's been around Jake Paul quite often. He might be secretly doing a Jake Paul and training MMA and nobody knows it. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. And also, like, he don't fight, but he can fight. He has that skill, that speed. He's still young enough that, you know, not too much, you know, if you call out Tank Davis and maybe think about him, he's the type of person that could slowly transition to MMA and have a, a decent to long run, right? Like, he's not going to come out the gate, I don't think, winning. Kid's powerful, also, you never know. He can always go over to one and get some, uh, you know, get some uh, mixed rules fights and stuff like that. That would be interesting. You know, one's taking over the world. We we know that. One, one's going to take over everything. So go to one. I put a note in there originally in the notes that said, like, could John Jones transition in boxing solely based off of his fight IQ and athleticism? Curious to know if you guys think he would have. Nope. Fair enough. No, I, I don't think he could. And, you know, I was one of those people that was a really early fan of John Jones. And I think a large part of John Jones' success came for two reasons. Uh, one, he tried a lot of new things. He went just go in there and try stuff that was very like uh, very raw. And when I saw that and saw how brave he was and how he recovered, I was like, this, you know, this guy is going to be special. He's going to be good. And then, you know, just his length and range. But as we know, most of it even now isn't done with his hands. It's a lot of footwork, right? It's a lot of oblique kicks. It's a lot of things like that, that allows him to mix in that other stuff. And, and his elbows, I would say, He's been way more dangerous with his elbows than his hands. He never really showed the hands to me that would allow him to translate well. And a lot of there's not there's nothing new in boxing. There's new shit coming at MMA all the time. There's nothing new in boxing. Boxing is what boxing was back when I was watching Hagler, Sugar Ray Leonard. <laughs> there's nothing new, right? So I think a lot of that that made John Jones who he who he was, and that unpredictable things that that paused other fighters. I just don't think that would ever carry over to boxing, whether now or in his prime. 
Lock. The question was, do you think John Jones, you know, uh, would be one of those people that could transition over to boxing? I have to see if he can hit hard enough at heavyweight. Because he says well, put, he can hit hard enough at heavyweight. Put put him at put him at cruiserweight. I don't think he's. I don't think he wants to lose the weight again. No, I'm just saying. Let's just say when he was at 205, mm-hmm. and make that equivalent to 190 in boxing at cruiserweight. You know, or you know, shit. Tyson was a, a small heavyweight. What did Tyson weigh? Like 210, 215, like 220 yeah. at his max. Yep. You know, so he could be a small, I mean, you know, relatively speaking with, with uh, weight, he could be a small heavyweight. I don't think, uh, I don't think it's a skill set. I mean, look, I don't know. Maybe he could make it convert. You know, I think he just found his perfect niche in MMA, which is like uh, the mix of what he does well with, you know, the, the, the combination of the wrestling and the striking, which neither of it was elite. But it was all, it's like Mirko Krokop was not a, he was a better MMA fighter than he was actual pure kickboxer. And I just think MMA was the right, is the perfect skill set for his exact weight class, which is odd because he's really big, but not really, you know? And uh, yeah, he's got a diverse skill set. So yeah, he maybe could have been an okay boxer, but I think MMA was a, a niche that he was perfectly built for. I just think that. I wouldn't discredit, salute to GSP, I wouldn't discredit Jones' fight IQ. I think that's something that, like, when we talk about his success early on, we talk about, you know, the fearlessness, the willing, the, the willingness to take risk, and his sort of physical gifts. He also had a, for a, for a very, it's going to sound fucked up, but for a very dumb individual, he has a very high level of fight IQ. I agree. I just don't think any of it was based in, I don't think it was based in, I'm trying to think of the right way to say, like, I don't think it was based in staying within these bounds. I think even then he had to be able to do crazy wild stuff and go out of those bounds. And I just don't think that exists in boxing. Do you think John Jones is a cheater? Do you say a cheater? Where did that question come from? <laughs> we, we haven't talked anything about cheaters. Where, well, where, I don't know. Where where you I know you think Tyson Fury's a cheater. You said it earlier. And I know you think GSP's a cheater. And you have a very long and distinguished list of cheaters. And I'm just wondering yeah. if John Jones fits on there at all. I'm not, I said GSP was a cheater. Not today. But, I mean, you I don't think, think he's I've a ever cheater. Said, when did I say GSP was a cheater? What was the context behind it? Uh, Grease Gate. There was... Uh, he he did, but I didn't blame that on him. If you remember, I blamed it on his his uh, corner. Uh, there was some, that's the there only was thing time I've ever said it. But okay, so do I think John Jones is a cheater? No, especially when compared to Tyson Fury. There's 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 very different, in my opinion. If you're doing something that's within the rules and it's legal, but it's a gray area, versus literally doing something that's banned and frowned upon. I'm one of the people, based on all the videos I watched, watching the fights, buying and having numerous amounts of boxing gloves, going to boxing gyms, going to MMA gyms. I've never seen gloves like his. Nobody has ever seen gloves like his. Some weird fucking uh, Roma horsehair shit. Well, it's not that. Horsehair was a real, but it's literally where the gloves have a riffle in them where your knuckles and stuff would be to show that the padding is gone. At that point in time, you're literally cheating. 
John Jones is quote unquote known as a cheat mostly because of the oblique kick. Yeah. If that literally was against the rules, he wouldn't be able to do it and other people wouldn't do it. And as we know, it wasn't just him. All of Jack Jackson Winks did that. We just got finished praising Holly Holm. Holly Holm did the oblique kick all, kick all the time, right? So the reason why I call Tyson Fury a cheat only has to do with those gloves. Nothing so else. Your, your take is that he was ripping the padding out or that he put his fist in the bottom part of the gloves? Well, it depends on when or which fight you're talking about. I saw both. Okay. Well, because one had the floppy glove thing, right? Correct. Correct. I'm I saw a firm both. Believer, I'm a firm believer that he never put his fist into the uh, padding the glove. He kept it at the wrist. And I feel like if we call that out, that, yeah, 100% he's cheating. But I also think that that is a, I hate to say it this way. No, I don't. That's on Wilder at a certain point. Because, like, your corner and you, you have to look and say, yo, his fist is down here. Stop. And make the ref check it in real time. But, I, I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't think they saw it in real time, right? The second yeah. fight is when they really got diligent about the gloves. Yeah. But that's happened before. It's not like, this is what's weird to me about people. And I don't know if it's, you know, boxing just got a lot of new age fans like MMA. But that's not new to boxing. I mean, watched no. the boxing a long time. That's not new. You right. know, I remember when, um, I forget who B-Hop's um, trainer was, the Muslim guy. Um, and and uh, they are the ones that caught, um, um, uh, what is dude name? Margarito. Uh, Margarito gloves, right? right? And what's crazy about that, I remember watching the Margarito, uh, um, uh, Puerto Rican dude, uh, Margarito. Um, uh, not Cotto. Cotto fight. Yeah, yeah. Cotto fight. And I'm like, no, that's – look at this. Look, Cotto's hitting him way harder, but look at what this man is – something's not right there, right. right? And I remember arguing with people about this, right? And then sure enough, I think it was only a couple fights later when he went to go fight Shane Mosley, and that was when, you know, B-Hop's trainer caught those gloves. Okay, fast forward to the Wilder fight now. Was it – sorry, before you, cut, before you go there. Was it the Shane Mosley fight after the fight? They snatched the gloves before the, his corner had a chance to dispose of them and they found the hard plaster. Wasn't it one fight where they no. grabbed it right after, or was it the one where they caught it before the fight started? This was before the fight. They okay. caught it. Yeah, this I was just remember before it was, the fight. There was one where they caught it after the fight and it was like rock solid at that point. But see, the difference is who you got in your corner and stuff, yeah. right? So some of these guys, and this is the benefit, especially a lot of these old these old, old school boxing trainers that know all the tricks of the trade because they've been seeing it since way back when, right? A lot of the newer guys, even if they know boxing, they know mid, they don't know the same things to look out for. They're not really watching like that because they assume the sport is the sport is clean. Right. You know what I mean? They they, they assume it. So I think that's one of the, the downfalls there. But um, so when I look at something like that, right, um, these things happen. So Tyson Fury, if you remember, one of his uh, sparring partners even came out and talked about it and talked about how he was doing that in training and basically how he was losing sparring partners and stuff. So now the second fight rolls around and they check the gloves and they're showing, you can go watch the video, they're showing how uh, how Wilder's gloves was and they're pressing it in the middle so you can see the petty. And then they're showing Tyson Fury gloves and they like, how can this be allowed? And they're fighting against it. But guess what? 
the commission is saying, no, this is X, Y, Z. Now, rewind. Mayweather came out and talked about that when he fought, um, what's the name for the second time? Um, uh, Mexican dude. Um, Mayorga? No, it wasn't Mayorga. It was um, it was the dude. Know, the guy everybody tried to say beat him the first time and he didn't at all. Yep, yep. When he fought him the second time, I believe it was that fight. Um, basically, what happened was they caught it and, and saw his gloves had no pen or whatever in it. So they arguing with him, and the only way they were able to get his gloves changed, Mayweather had to pay him for that glove change. You could go out there and watch the, the video of Mayweather talking about it. So people think that the commission's just like, oh, they're really protective. No, they're not. And this stuff happens all the time. And if either you don't catch it or you don't have the clout or the money to pay the other person, then these gloves are good. And at that point in time, when you're doing things like taking padding out or to your point, or you're putting your fist in the wrist or anything like that. Yes, that is absolute cheat. That is against mm-hmm. the rules. And um, it was uh, Marcos Maidana. Okay. Yep. In Maidana's second yep. fight. I didn't know that happened down in the second fight, so I got to look that up. But yeah, 100%. And so I guess I would say whenever I hear people talk about Tyson Fury cheating in those two wilder fights or three, you know, you hear all the crazy shit. He had an egg weight in his hand. I'm like, guys, he didn't have an egg weight in his hand, right? Um, I I go back and forth on did he dig out the padding or not. However, in that second fight, that man's fists were in his wrist. His thumb wasn't even engaged. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, if you, like, if anybody that knows striking, like, you know how they tape up your gloves. They tape up your hands. For, by all accounts, he literally was fighting him with bricks at that point, right? Because, like... If you put your fist in the wrist part where it's hard, where the rope is, the tape is, and you're only hitting that person, you're clubbing that guy. So, like, I give Water a lot of credit for surviving. I guess my only question, which is an open-air question, how did he cheat in the third fight? I would have to go back and see each. You know, I don't remember him in sequence like that. I would have to see what's what. But this is what I will say. By the time you get around to the third fight, when a person gets hit, in particular with things or in ways that they're not getting used to getting hit with, and they get mm-hmm. KO, we know when people get KO, they're not the same. Um, uh, you literally just aren't the same fighter at that. Miguel Cotto was never, ever, ever the same fighter after you know he fought. Uh, um, uh, who we just mentioned a minute ago, after he fought Margarito, right? He literally fought Margarito, and then after that, that was his first loss. After that, he went on win, win, lose, a couple wins, two losses. Literally, he was never the same fighter. And I'm talking about, and by that time, he was fighting lesser competition, in my opinion, right? I think certain things change you especially when you get battered in the way when you're really, really tough. If we take it over to MMA, we saw that in the, um, and this wasn't a cheat. It's just when you get abused like that in a fight, right? We saw that in the Kane Dos, Dos, uh, Dos Santos fights, right? Dos Santos was never the same after that. When you go through those kind of wars, it Rory takes McDonald's. something out of you. Huh? Rory McDonald. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Rory, same thing. So I think by that time, 
you go through that plus whatever Wilder went through psychologically, I don't think it's the same fighter. I don't think whether Tyson Fury did or not, I don't think he had to cheat by then. You know what I mean? There, there's 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 a difference. But in particular, that flappy glove, if you remember, was also on the jab hand. And we just got finished talking about that jab. You take you take, you basically taking a a uh, a uh, a Manny Emmanuel Stewart jab and no glove behind it. We just talked about that. GSP nowhere near has a better jab than 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 Tyson Fury. He's breaking orbital bones with a jab. It's a very powerful tool. Hundred percent. So I mean, like you you summed that up perfectly, um, and I agree with that. I just. I guess I'll, the reason why I asked the question is because I feel like that third fight was the only fight where Tyson Fury won fair and square and like completely outboxed him. But I feel like no one ever acknowledges the levels to it, right? Like everything from the slow count in the first fight to the cheating in the second fight to like, you know, in that third fight. And um, and if you go, okay, well, the third fight was the first time that Wilder fought him cleanly. That was Wilder's best fight against him. And it was the most competitive until he just got exhausted and flustered and couldn't c- continue. So that's, that's the only reason I call that out. Yeah, I think Wilder learned a lot on what he should do to fight, too. He wasn't as wild in that third fight, you know, if I remember correctly. So, because I just don't think you can go out there and fight a Tyson Fury like that. And I'll say something I've said before, too. Although I think Tyson Fury is a cheater, I still think he's a very good fighter. You can be both. You can be a cheater and a very good fighter. You can be a cheater and a very good anything. As a matter of fact, that was my point best... originally. That's what I said. I feel like your cheater list might be better than the guys you don't think are cheaters. You don't think Paul Harris is a cheater. You know what I mean? But he's I'm not a cheater. You think he's I'm an a asshole. Because your list of cheaters, is, they're, they're good. It's a bunch Paul of Harris isn't that. a cheater. He's an asshole. You can't be a cheater after the fight's over. That's true. That's true. He just not let him go. That's all. <laughs> this is we're this is do a, a survey one day and break down your list. We go Paul Harris, Paul Daly. You know, we'll go through all the villains and figure out who's your who's your cheaters like, and who's not. I feel like this is a question for another show altogether. <laughs> but like comparatively, who in MMA would you guys say are like real cheaters like that? Like, there's no there's no drywall and glove situations in MMA, right? Like, we got Grease Gate. That's the biggest one. We know the. Uh, was it the uh, Gracies used to drink baby oil before every fight, like so it can sweat out their veins and stuff? We heard those those stories, but like other than Chuck Liddell with the infamous I pull combination, um, is there real cheaters in MMA that we can pinpoint? But that's a again that sounds like a conversation for a whole another podcast. Yeah. Um, what did you say, TJ Dillashaw? Oh, yeah. Um, I think unless yeah. you're unless you're doping. I just think MMA, I don't know how to explain it. I think people exploit gray areas and things they can get away with. It, to me, I, I, I make it a key like to, what was that? Like Chandler? What did Chandler do? Like Chandler? He was uh, putting his fingers in uh, oh, his in the mouth glove. and blowing and, oh, the yeah, fucking the snot yeah, on yeah, him and shit. Yeah, yeah. Blowing the yeah, bloody so snot like, on him. I came a lot of that to kind of like Mike, Mike it, Chandler probably oil check people when he wrestled. <laughs> I came a lot of that kind of to like in football, right? Where it's like certain things are understand. It's only called if it's blatant. People are going to hold like even like you know in the high school football they tell you as a lineman 
Just don't grab the outside. Hold it. You can grab the inside of the patch. It's still holding. It's never going to get caught. You grab the outside, it's going to get caught every time. And I think MMA is set up like that, where it's kind of a lot of gray areas where it's like, you know, even with the eye pokes, it's like, you know, listen, people get poked in the eye. If they don't see that it's blatant, you know, even even now when guys reach out, you know, like this, they say, hey, you got to close that fist. They're going to warn you to close your fist like four times before you even poke a guy in the eye, right? So it's like, You got to scratch his cornea before you get a warning. <laughs> exactly. So I think other than doping, um, you know, it's just one of those things, which, by the way, I'll say this, and y'all let me know if y'all got anything else. If not, we'll wrap it up. But Chell Sonnen was recently on a podcast that we were talking about, and they were talking about doping in MMA and how basically when USADA came, how everybody shrank and how doping has been big time on the rise again. And Chell basically said they've just figured out how to get around whatever USADA is doing. And he was like, they have whole teams. He was like, there's two teams in particular that's well-known in MMA to be doping, you know? And he's like, but, you know, they're finding a way around it. You know what I mean? And so he was like, he's like, make no mistake. Also, I cheated. I cheated because they said I was only on seven things. I was at least on 17 different things. (laughs) So I wouldn't, did he say what the camps were other than, you know, AK? He didn't say, he didn't say the camps. um, Yeah. Yeah. He didn't say the camps. Anything else, fellas? We just just going on that one. Uh, what's my man name with the the black dude with the head tattoos? Damn, the light heavy, the lightweight. Uh, shit, I the forgot his tattoos? name. Yeah, we with the like stupid goatee. Oh, oh, um, uh, yeah, shit. I know who you're talking about. Um, but I think I think he made the clearest point, and I think Connor made the greatest point too about like how how are you going to drug test any fighter that's in Brazil when the person that goes to test them is usually their cousins and they can pay them off. And then who's going to Russia to drug test any fighter that's living there for eight months, right? Yeah. I think Didn't those he get the... popped, though? Didn't he end up? He got he got popped for, uh, he literally got popped for this. Bobby is coming. Bobby is coming to Bobby my Bobby Green. Yeah, Bobby he, Green, got popped, yep. he got popped for this. I just want y'all to uh, understand that. Okay. Do you gotcha. know why I take this? Why because my doctor said I have high cholesterol and this is a this is an over-the-counter supplement that will prevent me from having a heart attack at 40. He got uh, popped for that. He said, I went to Walmart and bought keto vitamins. And I'm like, you bought DHEA keto vitamins. I have heard that, that. Yeah, I have heard that. That's but, one. Yeah. Nah, I mean, uh, we can wrap it up. But I just think that uh, there are two things I want to say. I think that the whole anti-doping thing is stupid to me. Because anybody that's doing hardcore steroids, like, you know, bodybuilders, you're not going to succeed in MMA anyway. And everybody's cheating. So just fucking figure out better ways to regulate your shit so people aren't blowing their hearts up. I don't disagree. Anything, anything locked? Yeah. Um, so a lot of, cause we was talking about boxing versus MMA. A lot of these boxers or people that don't like MMA don't like the grappling. And, uh, I get that, but the NCAA wrestling tournament, is about to be coming up in a couple weeks. And, uh, just follow flow wrestling. You ain't got to watch all of it. It'll give you just the fucking dope shit. And, uh, it's probably cooler than you think it is. Is it um where's it gonna be at this year? Is it the uh, big tournament like, like we went to? Okay. It's gonna be on uh flow grappling now? Uh flow wrestling, yeah. I mean they 
like if you follow them, that they'll keep you up on everything as the the whole season goes on. And then even now, like the NCAA season is going to go up. It ke- it keeps track of like nationals and stuff like that. But uh, it just gives you like the highlights, or you can you know you can find the whole matches and shit like that. But I'm not familiar with flow wrestling. Is it a part of the flow grappling uh, conglomerate, or it's a whole different thing? I don't know. I just follow them on social oh, yeah, media. It's the same. It's the same. Uh, they got the exact same logo. The reason why I asked, I have a Flow Grappling subscription. I wonder if Flow Wrestling is included. Because if so, it looks like there's a, a championship live right now, Iowa State. Because uh, yep. if so, we need to get together Fucking and watch Spencer when they talk shit. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah. But other than that, I guess to sum everything up, um, as mentioned many times, boxing – and MMA are two completely different sports. You really can't say which one is better. You can say which one you like better. You can say which one is more entertaining to you, all of those things. But unless we start seeing bouts where, once again, you put them in a ring together or a cage, and they can only do what they do in their perspective sports, and we see who's who wins, until we see that, you really can't put one against another and that's where the point that was brought up uh, by TJ is relevant. It would be like, you know, uh, basketball versus football, at, you know, right now as far as what we're comparing. Unless you do something to to put those two sports and merge them together, they're two completely different sports. And what I think people should do is just brush up their information on both. Watch both. Watch the history. Watch the development of both and I think you'll get a better understanding and appreciation uh, for both of them. And in my opinion, uh, I think you should train both and wrestling or some form of grappling because I just think in general in life, you should have these things so that you can protect yourself and your loved ones. And I also think that you should train uh, firearms because I think that's another thing that, that is important to know and to have for your arsenal. But when we're talking about just sports, watch what you like. You know, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. Um, other than that, thank you everybody for listening. And watch uh, what you in- like, but learn how to wrestle, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening. Come again. That wraps up another great Fat Boy MMA podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at topic at fatboymma.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links. Fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening.